Welcome to Simple and Clear Bible Study. And today we begin a series of studies, audio studies, on the topic of salvation. So I hope that you'll listen to these studies, uh, each in their order, and um, listen to some wonderful truths concerning God's promises about salvation. We'll look at several aspects of that. The Bible says in Proverbs 17 and verse 8, that a gift is a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it. Whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. You ever received a gift from someone at some point, and uh, you really love that gift that they gave to you. It was something that met a need or something you'd wanted for a long time. And each time you looked at it, uh, it saw that gift and looked at it, it prospered as you looked at it. Wherever it turned, you saw something prosperous about it. You saw how it met a need. You saw how uh, nice it was in your life. I think of when I see this passage in scriptures, it says a precious stone. I think of the stone of a, of a diamond or an emerald. As you turn that stone and see light reflecting at it, it's beautiful on every aspect of it. And so Proverbs seventeen eight, when it comes to uh, uh, talking about a gift there, it applies certainly uh, to the gift of salvation. The Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 23 that the gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In the book of Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, the Bible says, Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy, you draw the water out of the wells of salvation. And so over these next few studies, as we study God's word about salvation, we're going to do just that and draw out of the well, water of, of salvation, out of the wells of salvation and do it with joy. Now, you may be listening to these audio lessons while you're driving or jogging or something like that, uh, or you may be listening on an audio device of some type, uh, a, a MP3 player or on your cell phone or tablet or laptop or something. And if you're able, though, unless you're driving or, or uh, in motion at some point in some way, uh, I encourage you to open your Bible and read uh, the passages that I read, or at least uh, also the references that I give, read those also and follow along with me. We live in a day when people rarely open their Bible. I mean, you even, as a pastor, I look around in church, either my church or places where I speak, and people either don't bring their Bible. Some people use it on their cell phone, and I understand that. They use their app. But you look around, and a lot of people aren't reading, aren't following with you as you read a passage. And I encourage you to open your Bible and read the passages I read and the references that I give. We live in a day when people rarely do that. And so because of that, they simply take someone's word because they're a pastor or a teacher, an evangelist, or a professor at a Bible or a Christian college or university or seminary. I encourage you to do the same even with your pastor or teacher, anyone who has those credentials that opens up the scriptures to read or teach them. I encourage you to follow with them and check and see what the Bible says. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says, prove all things. And one very practical way to do that is by reading your Bible along as someone else reads. The Bible is its own dictionary, and it's also its own commentary, and you can understand what God says in his word. The Lord gives uh, to man, to man uh, uh, he gives us preachers and teachers to preach and teach the Bible, but for the Bible to be taught and understood, 
we must rely on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit according to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 16, which read that and see exactly what the Bible has to say about that. And so he is the ultimate teacher. He teaches us, but he uses men who teach and preach to understand the Bible as they preach it and teach it. The Holy Spirit makes it clear and he applies it to our minds and to our hearts. And so that's part of the ministry of the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit. However long you've been a Christian, there are three things that are important to understand about you and your Bible. We'll look at those real quickly because these make good introduction for this study, simple and clear Bible study about salvation or about any other topic in the Word of God. It's very important to understand these three things concerning you and your Bible. Number one, the Bible is easier to understand than you think it is. The Bible is easier to understand than you think it is. And certainly there's some things that are more difficult to understand in the Bible than others. There's some things that are deeper, some things that take a great deal more length of study and so forth. And um, anyone that's ever read the Bible very much understands and knows that and realizes that. In fact, the Apostle Peter said that very thing in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. He talked about those things which are hard to be understood, and some things are. And unfortunately, there's some people who will try to convince you that if you do not have a college education or degree in the Bible or theology or understand Hebrew and Greek and no Hebrew and Greek, that you can't understand the Bible. Folks, God gave us good godly men to translate the Bible into English, and all we have to do is open it and read it in English. I'll guarantee you, if you'll spend time studying the Bible in English, you'll find out much more than you could trying to study in Hebrew and Greek. Much, much more if you'll just study it in English. Now, the Bible is easier to understand than you think it is, and you can understand the Bible. You can. What you need are these four things. First of all, and I hope this is already the case for you, first of all is you need to be saved. You need to be a Christian. You need to, to be a believer in Jesus Christ. I hope that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We'll talk about that at the end of this introduction. And of course, during the course of these studies, we'll refer to this many times. But I hope that you've been saved and trusted Christ as your Savior. Second thing that you need is a Bible in your hand. You need a Bible. And if you do not have a Bible, please contact me. I will be more than happy to mail you one or, if possible, to place one in your hands myself personally. We'll get you a Bible and get you some materials to help you in your study of the Word of God. We live in a 21st century in which there is no excuse for anyone to not have a Bible. Uh, we'll get you a Bible and uh, make sure that you have a copy that you can have in your hand and open up. Looking at a Bible app, those are good things. I use those myself, but there's nothing like having an open Bible in front of you that you can open and turn to the pages and turn to the references and read them. So to be saved, uh, to have your own Bible, second of all, or third of all, excuse me, is a humble heart, having a humble heart before God and simply telling God, Lord, there's much in your word that I do not understand. And having the humble heart to, to be honest with God about that. And God will, will uh, help you through, as we've already said, the power of his spirit to understand his word. And then fourth of all is a believing mind. Just simply believe and take what God says at his word. 
human nature is sometimes to buck things that we don't understand and to push back on things that, that we can't in our mind understand. But if you'll have a believing mind and say, Lord, I trust you, you wrote it, you said it, and so I'm going to believe it, God will honor that in your heart and mind as you study his word. You, it is easier to understand than you think it than you think it is, and you can't understand the Bible. In fact, you can know more uh, today than you did a year ago or five years ago, and I hope you do if you're growing in grace and knowledge of our Savior. Second of all, not only is the Bible easier to understand than you think it is, but you need the Bible much more than you realize. You need the Bible much more than you realize. There's a conviction that I live by concerning the Bible. It's very simple. It's not, it's not difficult at all, yet it's very profound. And it's simply this. The Bible is my final authority in all matters of faith and practice. The Bible is my final authority in all matters of faith and practice. That should be your final authority. Not your own mind, not your own opinions or feelings, not a church or a denomination, and certainly not some Christian leader, pastor, evangelist, teacher, or anyone else who tries to deceive you in putting more trust in them and what they say than in what thus saith the Lord. And so uh, you need the Bible more, much more than you realize. You need the Bible for decisions that you make in life. You need the Bible for comfort. You need the Bible for facing problems, for wisdom, for finding God's will for your life, for family life, for friendships, for everything you can imagine and things that you'll face in the future of which you have no clue. You need the Bible much more than you realize, first and foremost, concerning salvation. That's what these studies will be about. Imagine one day, and if you're a Christian, this is going to take place one day. Imagine one day as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, after death or after the rapture of the church at some point in God's presence, you'll stand, the Bible promises us and tells us that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14 verse 10, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, and there's a passage about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And as you stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day, what will you say as the Lord asks you? Did you read my word? Did you read uh, the Bible? Did you read what I gave you in print that throughout the history uh, that men wrote over time throughout uh, centuries as they wrote it and then it was put together and when it was and made into one book, 66 books, did you read my word? My word that throughout history there have been those who've had to give their life's blood so that my word could move forward. There were those who uh, throughout, especially during the time of the Reformation, the times of uh, uh, where the believers who had the Bible, many of them had to, to uh, be undercover and had to hide uh, to be able to keep God's word because they were persecuted for having it by, of all things, a church. And so if God asks you at the judgment seat of Christ, did you read my word? What are you going to be able to tell him? Third of all, the Lord wants to show you much more than you already know. Much more than you already know. I've already mentioned, I hope you know more now than you did a year, from, a year ago or five years ago. 
Now, it's very true that no one will ever learn everything about the Bible, at least not this life. I certainly don't know everything about it. I'm learning more and more every, every time I open it up. I learn more and more. I can honestly say, thank the Lord by His grace, I know more than I did a year ago and five years ago. I do know more of it. And you have to do sustain His Word to do that. But none of us can know all of it. That's very true. And though that may be true, that should never be an excuse to neglect the Holy Bible. That should never be an excuse. Job said, in the midst of all his problems and difficulties, in Job chapter 23, verse 12, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In recording what the Lord had told him in Deuteronomy 8, and verse 3, Moses wrote, Man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Job referred to his, God's words as his necessary food. Moses referred to him as bread. Just as you need food for your physical life and, and to sustain your life, you need spiritual food, of which part of that is certainly the majority of that is the Word of God. You need the Word of God as your food, as your bread, to sustain you spiritually and grow you spiritually. David, the king of Israel, said in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As David wrote those words as king, he probably reflected back on his days as a little shepherd boy in those Judean hills. And at night when he would check on his sheep, he'd have to, to light a lamp. And that lamp would be held by a rope down towards his feet. And as it was, uh, it made light to make a step. And as he had enough light to make that step, he made the next step. And then the next step, though it might have been very cloudy and dark at night, very few stars or the moon even shining, that light helped him to see to make the next step and the next step and the next step. And so God gives you his word as a lamp unto your feet to light your path. Jesus said in John 6 verse 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ? as your personal savior. I said, that's the first thing to understanding the Bible. And I hope that you've trusted him. Romans three, verse 10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. We are all sinners. Every one of us are sinners. We sin because we are sinners. We have a sin nature passed on to us from Adam and Eve. Uh, and the Bible says in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, everyone is a sinner. Every person that's ever been born except the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we're all sinners and we have a sin debt upon us, a debt that can be paid in only one of two ways. It has to be paid either uh, by the person who rejects Christ and spends an eternity in hell and fire forever and ever, or that debt can be paid as we place our trust in the finished work of Christ almost 2,000 years ago as he died on a cross in your place and mine and shed his precious blood for you and for me. And as he died and shed his blood on the cross, that payment for sin debt was in full. Jesus said as he was dying, it is finished. And the Bible calls Jesus' sacrifice in 1 John chapter uh, 2, he calls it a propitiation for our sin. 
That's one of those long words that has such a beautiful meaning. It simply means that God was pleased and fully satisfied with Jesus Christ's sacrifice for you and me because the blood of Jesus Christ paid for your sins and mine. You've probably memorized John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's promise, that believing on Christ as our Savior, we have eternal life. Not just believing things about Him, not just knowing that He lived, but believing on Christ and Christ alone for eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith. Some people mistakenly say that faith is the gift of God. No, no, no. Look at, that, look at those verses and look carefully at what, what Paul wrote in those verses. For by grace you are saved through faith. Faith is the way we're saved. and It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God, not faith. You have faith. You have faith and you exercise faith every day in some way. You have faith. Don't let anyone try to mislead you or deceive you into saying, well, God gives some people the faith to get saved and he doesn't others. Oh, no. As we'll see in this study, every person can trust Christ as their Savior if they'll place their faith in Christ and Christ alone. I hope you've done that, and I hope you will do that. And if you haven't, I hope you will right where you're listening to this. Even if you are driving or jogging or sitting down with an open Bible, I hope that you will trust Christ as your Savior. I say this often, and it's not original. Someone else said this, and I like it and use it very often. To believe that Christ died, was buried, and rose again, that's history. To believe that Christ died, was buried, and rose again, for me, that's salvation. There are a lot of people that believe that Jesus existed. There are a lot of people believe that he was a good teacher. There are a lot of people believe that he uh, taught the things that the Bible says that he taught. But believing those things will not give you eternal life. Some people think, well, I have to uh, believe in Jesus and I have to be baptized to have eternal life. That's not what the Bible says. That's not God's plan of salvation. That's not God's requirement for eternal life. That is not God's payment for sin. It's Christ and Christ alone. Jesus died on the cross he shed his precious blood, died, was buried, and rose again the third day. As God tells us, Paul makes very clear that this is the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. This is the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I hope and trust and pray that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior even today. And if you haven't, you can do that now. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful privilege and opportunity to open the scripture and to read. And Lord, to, uh, for these who are listening, Lord, through audio, I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen them spiritually. Most importantly, if they've never trusted Christ, that they will see what the scripture has to say and understand we're all sinners and because of that, we have that sin debt upon us. And that debt could pay, be paid in full only by Jesus Christ, not by Jesus plus, but by Jesus and in him alone. 
And so, Lord, I pray today, if anyone here is listening uh, on these on the sound uh, of this audio, if they've never trusted Christ, that they'll do that even today. And if they have, then, Lord, I pray that they will grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just as Simon Peter wrote in Second Peter chapter 3, that we'll all grow in grace and knowledge of our Savior. And one of those ways is to grow in more grace and knowledge about what salvation is all about. And so, Lord, in these uh, studies to come, I pray that you'll bless and use each of these for your glory, that we'll understand more and more and draw with joy water from the wells of salvation. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.